Brooklyn in here tonight. We are back, people. It's another episode of Dropping Dimes. You know we had to take it to Brooklyn for the show open this time because we have none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Tony Parks in the studio today. Maybe you guys have heard of him. Tony Parks, you are the locker room reporter for the Utah Jazz, host of Jake and Tony on 1280 The Zone, reporter for Salt Lake Bees. You just do it all. What's going on? Not a whole lot. Thanks so much for having me. This is really awesome. And, and nice touch with the song, by the way. Thank you. Uh, wifey would be very, very happy about this. And uh, uh, and I always make it very clear, I am not from Brooklyn. A lot of people are like, you're from there, right? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, had some family that was from there originally, and uh, birth dad and all of that. Long story, but um, uh, the roots history. run deep. There's some history. And Obviously, that's my daughter's name, and so it's a big deal, though. So we had to take it to Brooklyn for you. <laughs> I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> I appreciate you doing that. From Canarsie to Greenpoint to Flatbush, uh, Brighton Beach, you name it. Do you know Jay-Z? I don't know him. I've never met him. <laughs> You've now, never been chilling out in bed style. That guy's Brooklyn, right? <laughs> like, like uh, uh, I feel like I have some Brooklyn in me with the attitude and the confidence and the hard work and all that stuff. That's that's the only thing I'll claim. Uh, Tony Jones, my good friend, who I'll tell you about later on, as you know, uh, that guy is all Brooklyn. He is. He uh, is you know what? <laughs> Tony, there's some things that we need to talk about with Tony here. I, you know, I question him. Jones is my him, guy. But I question him a lot of times about his cred, his his Brooklyn oh, yes. credibility. Why you, why, why are you questioning the Brooklyn everybody. cred? No, but with Tony, I question him a little bit because okay. I'm like, you don't even own a pair of Tims. You're not really from Brooklyn. Like, everybody I've never seen from, him in belt sweats. He's a, he's a Bed-Stuy kid. Yeah. He, that's what he says. I need to see like a birth certificate or something, like where he's really oh, from. Red you man are, poster. You're a tough critic, man. You, you're I told over. him, I said, if I come look in your closet right now and you don't have a pair of Tims, you're not from Brooklyn. <laughs> you gotta have some Tims. You're from New York. <laughs> so you're, yeah, you're, you are harsh. You are, you are, you, you're making him carry it through and through, right? I am. Yeah. But okay. enough about him. What have you been up to lately? Oh, man, a lot with the Jazz, boy. They look good, huh? They do look good with man. that win last night. What are they now, 21, 21 and 23? 21 out of 23? Yeah. yeah. Um, nine in a row. Just continuing to play so well. Climbing in the standings. You know, fifth as we sit right here on them mm-hmm. uh, this afternoon. I, I, I love it. I love the way they're playing. I love how tough they've been. So doing a lot with the Jazz broadcast. Getting ready for the Bees, of course. Just finished up with all the stuff with the AP vote. Um, and uh, I know Cedric had some questions he's going to ask me later. Yeah, we'll about talk that. about that a little later. Me Cedric's kind of upset about uh, me the eye. And, where Memphis always lands in the poll. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, and I, I usually get this from fans. Anytime they find out I do this, it's like, oh, we've got to talk. <laughs> 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 but but it's, uh, no, it's, it's great. And thanks so much for having me here. I, I've, we've been talking about trying to do something like this. I love your work. Uh, listen to the podcast. Um, I've heard a few uh, different episodes that you've had. Uh, uh, one of the best ones you had. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. His name's escaped me all of a sudden. Wide receiver, Utah. Gosh dang it. Kenneth uh, Scott. Yeah, Kenneth Scott. Yeah, Kenneth like Gooby Scott yeah. came on. I thought you guys had such a great conversation. Thank so you. many different things. Um, social issues, sports, all of that. Um, you really you really cover it all. And so that was really cool. And you and I have had a chance to meet and 
get to know each other over the last uh, year and a half, two years mm-hmm. or so. My wife's a huge fan of you. I like her. Uh, since and she does a good job with uh, hair. She owns her own hair yes, salon. Yes, she does. Chic by Natalie. Yes. <laughs> Big deal. Hey, she can lay out some hair. Yeah. No, she's a pro. You, you know what that she's means when her- I say your hair is laid? Do you know what that means? No, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, what does that mean? What does that even mean? <laughs> it means like it's fresh. It looks good. Okay. It's, you know? All right. So My hair when has you... been late for a long time. Yeah, he so doesn't have I any hair. waves in a while. Uh, <laughs> this is Cedric. This is the first time you're meeting Cedric, yeah. but you know Sasha. Yep. Oh, yeah. I've met Sasha in a number of different sporting events. And uh, Cedric, I've heard you. Um, but this is great to actually People have used a to meet you. drown in these waves, but now uh, your waves were not <laughs> dipping. I saw a picture, a Throwback Thursday. Those oh, waves yeah. weren't dipping. Those waves were dipping. See all this lingo and stuff. You got to help me because even though I'm around my wife, I know uh, some of the basic stuff. Yeah. When you go home today, yeah. tell her her hair is laid. Okay. But you can't say that your waves are dipping because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah, I don't think you have waves. I'm I don't not think bald. it works. No, 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 no. So but waves I... aren't for bald people. Yeah. Waves are for like, like, uh, how, how can you explain waves? Like for like uh, Fabio? Like, with no, like no, 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 no. It's like, so when about? you see black guys, right? And okay. they have like a, a fade. Do-rag on? Yeah, you know no. what a fade cut is? Yes, yes. When uh, they have uh, a do rag on, that means they're trying to get their waves laid. Yeah. So their hair, if you look at like their hair, a lot of times if it, if it looks good, you Jips. have like little, yeah, okay. things in their hair like this. And we say it looks like waves. Okay. So when somebody says, "Woo, your waves are dipping," that's like a compliment. Like, okay. dang, your hair looks good. All Our right. waves haven't dipped in a long time. So, so that means no one's ever saying this to me. No, <laughs> okay. No. Just to be I, sure, I, right? I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So that way, Will if anybody Farrell. said that to me, I'd be like, uh, "Thank you." Will Ferrell had a do rag and some yeah. waves one time. Sasha might have a do rag. Do you have a do rag? No. No. Not a bandana. My waves you have a ain't bandana? dipping. <laughs> I feel like I've watched you grow up in media. Like, I swear to God, you've been on radio for 13, 14 years. Yeah, yeah, long time. And so all through my early 20s, all through your early 20s is where we were living our lives. You were growing up on the radio and kind of doing TV with the bees. And it's neat to watch your career. And now that I kind of get to work with you at KJAZZ and meet this radio guy who I've grown up listening to, it, it, you're good people. And well, thanks, man. It's you know, when you talk about working hard, you epitify the concept of working hard in media. And it, it's hard. It, you don't see a lot of people that work really, really hard. Oh, I appreciate you yeah. saying that, man. Uh, and, and it's, it's you know, not just the on-air stuff and all that, but it's everything to prepare for it. Um, Brittany, you, you know what it's like to be, you know, hustling all the time yeah. to prepare. And uh, Brittany's done some events for us at the ballpark where I don't think people understand, like, what you put into it behind the scenes and, and all those little things. And the little things really matter to you. Yeah. And so that uh, I think that um, when you talk about work ethic and stuff and the number of games I've done and kind of the versatility and never afraid to take on a challenge, that really, I got to give my mom all the credit in the world for that. Um, you know, we, we came here from San Francisco. She wanted a whole different life. And um, I'll spare you all the details about the history. But the fact of the matter is uh, she, she didn't want her son um, to be in an environment that, that wasn't going to be conducive to raising a good quality young man. And um, she wanted to give herself the best chance possible. And she took the greatest leap of faith and, and bet more on herself than anybody could have. And so it's kind of crazy with this, this whole thing is there's this fearless attitude that comes with, with working really hard. When you work really hard, you start to become more and more fearless. And the reason why is because you realize there's no such thing as security. So get rid of it. Just go for it. And that was her thing. I mean, if she could bet on herself like that, then any amount I've had to invest in me is nowhere near. 
because her stuff was real stuff. You know, that was right. You know, yeah, coming with nothing, having to work unbelievable jobs, just Starting her all and over. I. Oh man, and it and it. You know, I mean, I'm not going to give you the whole. We barely ate and we barely got by. No, no, we we got by, but we had to work really hard and we we had to work together to make that happen. And then my dad came in my life. He adopted me and and. Obviously, good things have happened uh, since uh, he came a part of my life. But but the fact of the matter is, you know, with with when I work hard and people say, "Wow, you work hard," I think, man, I watched her. And when I think of how I work compared to her, it's nothing. So I mean, she was relentless. When you say that and you talk about how hard your mom worked and how how much you looked up to her and you you kind of followed that, what is wrong with? Overall, we'll say we'll stay in sports uh-huh. with kids and sports these days and wanting everything handed to them, yeah, and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it kind of like what we talked about before. It, it comes down to the individual. It comes down to the attitude and the mindset. Um, everyone loves to play and win. Not everyone loves to work and compete. Everyone says they do, but their definition of it is nowhere where it needs to be all the time. And so you, you watch what happens. It, same thing in media. Everybody wants to be on the air. Everyone wants to be at the game. Everyone wants to interview someone. Everyone wants to, uh, you know, have something cool to talk about. But not everybody wants to do what it takes behind the scenes to edit sound and make sure the video's there. And when Brittany shows up an hour and a half early to the ballpark to get things set up for a special needs little girl so she has the best experience ever. And, and not only did Brittany, like, interview uh, the parents and the family. She really got to know these people, and they they loved Brittany. I guarantee you that they would lot of fun. do anything for you, right? And like it, it, it's those things that that Brittany did that that showed such a great amount of care for other people. Um, there, there's got to be a level of unselfishness for you to understand what c- competing and working hard really is. And so, it's one reason why I think the Jazz, not to just like transition this all into sports, I think one of the reasons why they're so good. I mean, you look at Ingles, if he goes to a number of other NBA teams, I don't know if he's still around. Does he really get the chances? Does he get the opportunities? Does he get developed like this? Um, Rudy, for a couple of years in the league, just looked like a big, tall guy that was, you know, just going to be tall but not really skilled for his career. Now he's, I mean, he's unbelievable. Well, do you think— And there's other players there, but the key thing is the Jazz have identified— they've been able to identify who's who. Who likes to just play and win, and it's cancer, Mm -hmm. and who likes to work and, and who likes to work and compete. Rudy Gobert. Well, I think it starts with Gil Miller and her oh, late oh, husband, yeah. Larry Miller. Totally. You talk about work it's ethic, you talk about kindness, you talk about compassion and caring for your neighbors and community. I think it all starts. There's certain guys that can't play in Utah. And whether it's RSL or at the University of Utah, there's a the, the sport culture here might not be the best teams in the world in terms of a top one and two consistently, but you won't find better lady and gentlemen. Oh, man. In you, you know, anywhere else than Utah. No, and it, I think it all really does start from Larry H. Miller and the University of Utah and some BYU and yeah, Rudy Gobert is a, is just like Gail Miller. They almost walk with the same confidence down the tunnels because mm-hmm. they know they're about the right things. Yeah, um, people can say whatever they want about this state. It's the most giving state. Um, it's the most character based. It's got people that really practice what they preach. And when you talk about yeah, Gail and all of that, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, our family still owes so much to the Miller family. Uh, they're the reason why I was even able to go to college. Uh, they put me through college. Uh, my mother works for the Larry Miller organization. And what's crazy is there was a, a rule in the scholarship that you couldn't work for the organization in any sort of way and have the scholarship. Well, I was going into broadcasting and all of this, and so I was doing some things with the jazz, and I was very nervous about it. And I 
had the guts to walk up to Larry H. Miller after a press conference, and he'd been crying as he as he usually <laughs> did, right? And I just was like, "Um, hey, Mr. Miller, hi. <laughs> um, my name's Tony, and uh, <clears throat> well, uh." You know, and I'm standing there, and I got my TJ Maxx starter kit. You know, I've got my, <laughs> on, I, you know, I've got my, my polo shirt on, <clears throat> and, and I'm talking to him, and I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, so here's the situation. Here's what I'm nervous about. I'm scared. I really want to go to school. Look, we can't afford this. It's not going to happen. And he goes, um, usually I would say no, um, but this time I'm, I'm going to say yes, okay? And he said, uh, remind me the name again, okay? And he, he took down some information, and I was like, okay. Um, all right, uh, th- thank you. And he was like, yeah, but, but I, and he, I'll never forget this. He looked at me and he said, but you got to make it worth it because I don't, I don't want to mm. do this for anybody. You got, he, he pretty much was saying to me, you, you better deliver, dude. You better not just take this and, and throw it away. Like, I don't want to make this exception for everyone. Because you should have gone to South Dakota. Yeah. You right? should have gone to Wyoming somewhere to start your career. Yeah, totally. And so I was kind of yeah. like, all right, all right. There we go. And so I get back home, and I'm, I'm telling my mom about it. You know, I'm 18 year, 19 year. I think it's 19 at the time. And I'm kind of like, okay, man, I'm hoping this comes through, and, and I'm hoping it's all right. And I'm thinking, I don't know when I'm going to hear back. This guy's so busy. Are you kidding? I don't know when I'll ever hear back. 8.55, man. Phone rings. It was a gal by the name of Austin. never forget her name. Aubrey Vance was her name. And she calls the house. And she goes, yeah, um, Larry Miller said everything's handled, whatever the issue was. And I was like, great. And like, but it's stuff like that where it's yeah. like, man, you did that for me. Yeah. You didn't know me. Never met me before. So back in that time, there was, you know how now we follow up with somebody through email, through text. Right. Throughout, there was none of that during that time when you were 18, 19 years old. Yeah. You know, so did you really think, like you said, he's really busy. Did you really think you were going to hear from him? How are you going to follow up with him? I didn't even have a cell phone, right? So he had to call the house phone. Yeah. That's how it happened. I was like, who knows? This could just get lost in the weeds. He could throw it on someone's desk and. They don't, there's nothing here that's going to make them do it. And if he if he didn't come through, I mean, I, there's no way for me to really, you know, try to hold him accountable in some way. I mean, I don't know. It just it was it was really up in the air. And so here's this critical moment. Young kid trying to go to school. First person ever in the history of my family to step on a college campus, let alone like go to college. Right. And and it means the world to me. And all we want to do is not repeat the pattern of what's happened in our family's history. That's all we want to do. Fought so hard. My mother, day, night, day, night, working like crazy, you know, and then my dad teaching me so many great things and, and, and giving up so many things and sacrificing for this one chance, right? This is a, like, this is the chance. Um, going into student loans and all of that, we couldn't imagine that kind of debt, even though I probably would have done it. So to be honest with you, I would have, nothing would have gotten my way, but still, I need this break. This break would mean more to me than, than anything. And uh, he treated it as seriously as I treated it. And that meant a lot to me. So when people go, man, you work a lot of games. Man, you work a lot of nights. Man, you Well, yeah, I, that, that organization, I, my family is forever going to be right. grateful for what they did for so us. So how did you not self-sabotage yourself? Because young men are great at destroying opportunities. Oh, man. When you didn't have many and you – well, uh, okay. When you watch what happens around you and it's really dark, you either – for whatever reason, fall into those same habits, or you want to go 100 miles an hour the other way. And that's why I went 100 miles an hour the other way. Did you feel like you? it was up to you to bring your family through something? Oh, to, yeah. To give them a better life? Yeah. Oh, yes. Or even oh, make a name. Make yeah. a name, make yeah. a name or for just yourself. To, yeah, or just to, just to do something. Nobody, I mean, I made a high school basketball team. 
Oh, my goodness. Like, it was, are you kidding me? Like, that had never, to ever even envision something like that. Wait a minute, what school is this? Hunter, yeah. I was, you're like, like, you're like, wait a second. (laughs) You know, what rural area were you in? All they had, all they had was 12 boys, and well, you're on the team. team. (laughs) So how did you handle the pressures of going to college, having that, you know, just all of that in your mind, your mind frame saying, okay, I have this man who basically told me, don't screw it up. I don't do this for everybody. Yeah. You're the person I'm doing this for. And then you have to think about your family. You're thinking about your grades. You're thinking about your career. Uh-huh. How did you deal with all the added oh, pressure? Oh, you, well, yeah, you know, part of it was that it was, um, I had a lot of confidence. A lot of confidence. You know, my mother, you know, we, we were in a situation where, sure, there's some, some fear involved and there's some pressure and all but there was a lot of confidence. There was a lot of, here's the plan. Here's what we're good at. I knew I had skill to do this. I knew I had abilities. I knew I had delivery, a decent voice. I knew I had, you know, I knew I had some weapons that I could use. And I knew I had belief in myself. And the other thing was, I had no backup plan. So that helps. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> yeah, there is no there plan is B. There is no plan B. So go. Just yeah. whatever. And I ran into barriers. I ran into challenges. I ran into doubts and all those things. It's like, well, there is no backup plan. So just keep going. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just keep going. And what was cool, too, is as I started to kind of break through in weird little ways, like small stuff, being on the air a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. um, broadcasting some high school football games, stuff like that, I had already achieved more than I like or as much as I probably had kind of dreamt from the beginning so the rest of it was all positive from that way out but then yes I still have the drive to go and and do and and continue to become and and my mom could not have been more supportive my 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 dad was great Um, my brother came along you know um, quite a few number of years later but you know there's pretty big age gap between us but we're very close and uh, one thing that really happened is um, uh, I went back. I got really lucky, long story, but I met my sister, and she was this 8-year-old little girl. It changed my life. Um, and so she was from the previous family, I guess. Uh, the um, When my mom had left San Francisco, some of the family that was back there, um, my sister was born many years later, same age as my brother. And uh, she had written a letter to Santa Claus that she wanted to meet uh, her brother for Christmas, right? She's an 8-year-old little girl missing her front teeth and just – the most adorable little thing I've ever met. And long, crazy stroke of luck on how it all came together. But I met them. I was there in town for that weekend for the Broncos and Raiders game, of all things. <laughs> and uh, I ran into her and got to meet her, and it changed my life. It was it was um, the most emotionally uplifting moment I could ever experience. I didn't sleep for five days. I was so floored about what that moment meant for me because it helped me with my identity. It helped me kind of learn more about me. And to know that whatever you're going through, because I was still going through some tough times trying to balance this all. I don't have anybody who has any experience to be like, oh, here's how you handle this at the college level. I had no idea. I had no clue. Um, But just kept kind of working through and learning and growing. Um, And then meeting her to know that there was somebody out there that I was her biggest, I I was her biggest hero. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know she existed, you know. And so her and I have stayed very close ever since. And and, uh, I still get emotional even thinking about her. So she, she went on to become a... Division one athlete, or not Division one athlete? Sorry, uh, she went to Cal Lutheran, so it was Division three, um, but but then um, uh, first female to ever graduate, you know, in the history of that family. And then my brother was the first uh, athlete in the history of the family, so he was a um, went to the University of Minnesota in Crookston, played baseball. Like these these steps for our family, for everyone else, like oh that's nice. For us, it's like this is the biggest deal ever because it wasn't that long ago 
you know, this family was about, you know, a lot of hostility, mayonnaise sandwiches, very difficult emotional erratic situations, low education, low dreams, low uh, self-esteem, all of that. And my mother, who grew up in a very tough situation, was like, you know what? Starting over new. Here's the line in the sand. You're either all in or you're in the way. And she took her and I and got some support from friends and some family that was somewhat connected. But the big thing was um, she was going to do this on her own, and she did. And I will forever uh, be grateful for her. Do you ever talk to her about that? Oh, like yeah. the decision, the one-day decision to say, you know what, I'm done. I'm leaving, I'm starting over, yeah. and just how she came to that decision and how she just got the confidence and encouragement to just go and yeah. do it. Yeah, she's like, I got to the point where there's no way this could be worse, right? And then she said, I don't know exactly how to get what I want in life, but I know what to not do. And so she just went, and uh, yeah, middle of the night, um, flew here, and we had nothing but a, a bag and you know, clothes on our back, and we went to work from the very beginning. And she had to tell me quite a bit when I was young about why life's not fair and how life's not fair and, you know, excuses can't be a part of this. And But just watching her work like crazy early in the day and then spend an hour with me in the middle of the day and then go back to work. And then uh, I still remember her, you know, carrying me from the car to the house after she picked me up so late at night. You know, and then very first thing in the morning again, you get up and you go. And so it was kind of cool. And then I, I still remember, like, uh, having to, like, um, you know, pour my own cereal in the morning, things like that. Like, at a very young age, I had to learn how to take care of myself, three, four, and five, all of that. It was it was crazy. I still remember the milk carton thing we used to do to make sure, um, you know, that if one was too heavy, that we balanced them out to where I could carry it so mm-hmm. I could pour it because I couldn't carry the milk all the time. I mean, little stuff like that that I think of now. Um, I'm very proud of what my family's done. It means everything to me. And, and so the bonds are not just there because we're blood. The bonds are there because of what we experienced and what we continue to grow through. And, and now that good things are happening, uh, we haven't forgotten our roots and what got us here. So you have, you have a character-building childhood, adolescence, make it through college, you keep your word to Mr. Miller, mm-hmm. you graduate, and you start working for the organization. It, what what was your first aha moment or your first I've made it. I've I'm making something of myself. I'm making a name for myself. No, it was kind of weird. Was, um, one of the things that really helped was um, when I got the bees job. You know, they needed a DJ to run the music, and they're like, "Well, just grab some producer and have him do it." And they knew I loved baseball, and I was kind of the only guy there that liked baseball. And 72 nights at the ballpark for me was like, let's do it. <laughs> like they were this like, is work? I still remember. I was like, hold on. I, hold on a minute. It's like you're talking to a kid, you know, grew up on the west side. And, and you yeah. know what I mean? And, and, I mean, going out to eat was a big deal for us, right? Like that was a you're, – you're, hold on a minute here. You are going to tell me that – oh, and I get tickets to the game to give to people? I mean, no. So, so you are now going to tell me, um, well, we hope that you'll want this. But, you know, it comes with 72 games and a pregame meal. And, and I'm looking at them like, I'm sorry, am I – are you trying to sell me right now? <laughs> they have some good meals. Oh, Wait, did you, did you try to play hard to get or no were way. you just like – No way. I was like, <laughs> let's do it. They were like, we got to let you know about the commitment. 72 is a lot of games. And I was like, and? That's like NBA season. I was I like, bring <laughs> that on. And they were like, really? I was like, yeah. And they were like – you got to let us know if you're not going to be able to make it to some games and all that. And I was like, no, 
I'm coming to every game. <laughs> and they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, no, I'm coming to every game. And so um, uh, in all the years I've done it now, 13 years, I missed two games. Uh, my wedding, uh, they said I should make an appearance to that. So, no, I'm just kidding. No, so my wedding, my wonderful wife. So I missed uh, my wedding and then my sister's graduation. And if it weren't for a flight issue, I still would have made it back on time. For that game. I missed two games ever in 13 years. So we'll give you one and a half games. Yeah, right? Kind of. Can't blame it on you. Yeah. Gotta blame it on the airline. Blame it on LAX, Prob- too. Oh, hey, don't blame it on LAX. <laughs> oh, no. let's not get started on LAX. But, but no, the, the fact of the matter is, that when they said that to me, I was like, great. So I did the music one year, and then they asked if I wanted to do the on-field MC. I'd never even thought about it. But my two favorite things kind of growing up is I always wanted to, because I would see some kids that I would want to help, and, I, and I'd always envision when I was a kid, I'd hope people would help me. And I had some good people along the way that helped me. And I was like, man, I'd really love to help kids back. And and as I was going through this, like, I was like, wait, now I get to do the on-field stuff, promotions, marketing. Kind of had a good knack and feel for that. That was kind of the first time where I felt great about, okay, not only am I working and doing stuff, but now I'm really starting to do the stuff I love every day. And so that was a big, I think that was a big And I imagine you're being mentored by Steve Klauke. Oh, yeah. one of the best broadcasters in the world. He is... As good as it gets. Yeah. There's absolutely no no doubt about that. And so to work with him, to watch him coach me through a bunch of stuff, to, to have, and he's the most um, open to teach, too, and he's very humble about teaching. He wants to make you better. Um, I, I loved it, man. So to have him around, who I listened to growing up, right? I mean, that's who I listened to, and I'd hear him broadcast the games. That's who I formatted so much of my broadcast after. Not delivery, but... Like, I'd listened the way he did it with such great consistency and, and his abilities, and I thought, wow, that's, there's so much I can learn from this guy. And so that really helped me, and I'm forever grateful for him for, for his um, uh, help and advice to help me advance in this business because he's been as, as big as anybody. Triple-A baseball is a real tough one, too, because you talk about thirst and fire from an athlete. Right. It's triple-A baseball players because you have two options as a triple-A you're a lifelong AAA baseball player, which means you're making forty grand a year, if that, or you become a major league baseball player, and there's no middle ground. And what a gap. Yeah. What, what a, a gap. gap. Yeah, between oh the pay, God. between the experience and all that. Yeah. Um, but, but it's been great, man, getting to know those guys, too. Um, it's a, I bet they inspire that. you, even when you're tired and stuff. You yeah. Just see oh, these, man. Yeah. Uh, eight games in a row. You start on a Monday. You go full day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's early morning to late night, early morning to late night. And then, you know, but you get to game six, seven, and eight, and you, it's helped me be more grateful for everything I have. My experiences have really, uh, my mom taught me so well to be so appreciative. And uh, so, yeah, when I get a little tired, I, I still feel all right. I'm still going. So a lot of people, we all know people who give back in the community, who have different organizations, nonprofits, whatever the case may be. And we know, I know some people who just do it because it looks good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to do it because they're a media or public figure and they need something to make them look good. But you, you seem to really, you and your wife seem to just really enjoy giving back to people. And then when I saw you, you know, with the Sons of Baseball Foundation, it's like your eyes, they just light up. Yeah. Like you just glow, you know? Yeah. Is it your upbringing that makes you feel this way like that makes you really want to give back to people and just really enjoy it or is it just something that you've just learned to love along the way yeah the, I, I think yeah the upbringing was part of it because um, as hard as my mom was on me she she taught me a lot about being very grateful you know just so appreciative of everything we ever got and so that was definitely part of it and then the other part of it um so i already felt some of that and then the other part of it was uh my girls who have been so 
so great for me um, in so many different ways. And, and so my wife and I, we, we promised them both that we would do everything we could for other children that were in need and other people that were in need. Because I would hope that if my girls were still here and somebody could help them, I hope they'd step in. You know, if, if the opportunity was there, I'd hope they'd step in, do something. You know, we all have the ability to give of something, even if it's just your time. And um, so I always thought about this. A coach taught me once about invisible acts of winning. You know, there's invisible acts of winning. There's things that don't show up on the box score. Well, there's invisible acts of love that you've got to be able to give, um, whether it's your money, your time, or even just your compassion, your empathy. Um, my wife is the best at that. When we work with families and stuff like that, my wife is so good with the moms, so good with the siblings, so good with um, just listening, you know. And, and so, yeah, part of it, the upbringing. Um, my girls have been a big part of that. My sister, meeting her and that experience, it's all culminated um, to the deepest and most passionate roots that I could have um, to give back to as many people, whether I know them or whether they're complete strangers. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, who who would be your top three athletes that you've had an opportunity to interview? Oh, man. LeBron James. LeBron James. Mm-hmm. LeBron, LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. Oh, I take it we've got an argument. <laughs> there's there's no, a no, fine no. line. You haven't seen that video? <laughs> yeah. You haven't oh, seen that video? Okay, LeBron okay, James. Okay, okay, <laughs> But, you know, I, I thought you hold were on, like, let me show you my phone. Really okay, quick. no, I got you. See, I just, I thought for a second you were, like, uh, objecting I, I to the idea. That, yes, yes. Well, there's a fine line between <laughs> people um, who like LeBron and people who despise LeBron. Yes. So when you interview, when you went into that interview, what were your preconceptions of LeBron? I, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure what to think about him. He was still pretty young, too. So I thought, all right, we'll, we'll find out what this guy's all about. Just right? a one-on-one. Because I had down. just talked to Carmelo, and he was pretty young, you know, and I thought, wow, I, nobody could have been more unimpressive. In my, uh, I love Carmelo. Oh, I, I was like, okay. I mean, that's, that's one way to go about stuff. And I just right on to the next thing, right? Like, boom. I was really young, and I went to the All-Star game back in 04 in L.A., and I was interviewing a bunch of different people. And you, you had to get used to the fact that some people would not really be all that cordial, and you've got to get – comfortable with that and went to LeBron and everybody's like he's a jerk isn't he? he's great isn't he he's he's in terms of how good he is to be around no better no worse he's really just right there in the middle Kobe was a great interview and actually very giving of his time and and like yeah he was great and so people get this idea of who's great to interview and who's a jerk and who's not I always tell you, it would surprise you who's who. It would yeah. really. People, it does. people love Darren Williams. Is he not the greatest guy? Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No way. And, and you, you would have thought I just told them about the, the big man in the red suit in December, right? You would have thought I literally just told them that. They were like, no, no, he's got to be great. He's so classy. Uh, and I'm like, I, I, I know quite. about that from different reasons. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? oh, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, a little moody, uh, you know, can be nice, but uh, a little up and down. Yeah, never I've know. I've seen him getting punked out a few times. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, he was uh, he was one of those guys, man. Like, but, like he would be up and down. But then there's those guys that they're like, oh, this guy's a jerk. No, he's fine. No, I disagree. He's a jerk. I'm like, no, really, he's fine. Um, Kevin Garnett was the worst I'd ever what? Ooh. Oh yeah. Oh wait, 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 wait. We're about mile. to find out more about Kevin Garnett because Ray Allen yeah, right? is coming out with this book, this tell-all. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. I what? can't wait. Yeah. And 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 uh, tell but, me about KG. Tell love, me about first KG. First of all, I love his game and I disagree with the whole he's a fake tough guy. No, I think if it really went down, he that's he's what you call a self-motivator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he um and it's not he didn't even say anything to me. 
I just watched him and the way he treated some other people around him, and I, uh, and it wasn't a one-time thing. This was a very obvious reoccurring thing. Oh yeah, I mean he so said he stuff. To, he said does stuff he really that, look like an alien in real life? I've only seen him on TV. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> what does an alien look like? like Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell. So you've apparently done some traveling. Yeah. I've yeah. Done some traveling. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what it was like when you were on Mars. Oh, that's a whole know. different podcast. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, yeah, I, I would say LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and then. Um, Trying to think of that, you know, that third because there's so many other sports, right? And stuff. Well, like any that. sport, yeah, any I know. Sport. And I'm trying to think of uh, Jerry West. Um, you the know, logo, he, but he wasn't playing, right? He right. and I, he and I spoke at Hot Rod Hunley's funeral. Oh wow! And that was, um, I tell you, first of all, I hope I'm that good looking at 78, right? <laughs> <laughs> like that guy. No. I was, I just was like, man, this is. This guy is really it for seventy eight, man. I'm like, I'm gonna look like a dump truck at forty five. Yeah, he's not even like he's not slumped over anything. No, at no, he's and still he's very like six, just what six seven. Six, yeah. Six? So he and I, it was funny too because we go to speak at this funeral and um, and Hot Rod and I, I worked next to him for somewhere between eight hundred thousand games right in there, and uh, doing the engineering, producing in the studio, and he and I built a nice friendship. And I know his daughter Kimberly really well. And so anyway, we <clears throat> she asked me to speak at the funeral. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be honored to. That's really thoughtful of you. Okay, great. And then I hung up the phone and called her right back. And I said, hold on a second. Are you asking me to do what I think you're asking me to do? And she was like, oh, yeah. Oh, we want you to bring it. And I was like, okay, so you now are asking me to impersonate a legend at his funeral. And you need me to, and, and knowing who he is and his humor, you need me to make this enlightening, not disparaging. He, she wants you to bring it. Appropriate, right? Like, I'm thinking, I've never been more scared in my life. Let me tell you, I've never been more scared in my life, ever. And David Locke, who was there at the, the whole thing, he's like, oh, yeah, well, of course, with, with who was there. It's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's not about the, oh, my goodness, Jerry West, Rod Thorne, oh, my goodness, Jeff Hornacek. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. It was... Okay, well, you, you're now asking me. It, it was these are his friends, his his roommates, his family. These are people that that, that he and meant everything grieving. to, right? They're grieving. So I have never been more scared in my life. I was at the Ritz Carlton in Phoenix. I got my hands down on the uh, on the, uh, the the counter or the bathroom, and I am staring at myself in the mirror. I got my suit on, and I got Brooklyn, my daughter's tie that I got mm-hmm. um, for her services and all, and I got it on. And a pink tie, and I'm staring at myself in the mirror, breathing as hard as I can, going, okay, this is going to go one way or it's going to go the other, and I hope it goes the right way. And so you, you get up there, and it's at this beautiful country club and all. And so, you know, everybody's trying to be – there's a golf course right there, and there's even people playing. So you're trying to be, like, as appropriate as you can. And I get up there, and you look at the, the program. And, I mean, it is Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, movie star, legend, me. Hall of Famer, <laughs> Hall of Famer, just all the way down. And uh, uh, myself, his son-in-law, he and I uh, grew, grew pretty close that day because we were like, oh, yeah, so you and I are the people that everyone's like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> and so anyway, I, I walked up there. I let it rip. Um, you know, I did my impersonation of him. I did the highlight. I gave it a good 30 seconds to let it keep soaking in. And um, boom, huge ovation, and everybody loved it, and it turned out really, really well. And his daughter to this day, uh, Kimberly, Jennifer, Jackie, his daughter, still appreciate it, thank me for it. But there's that moment where you're like, man, I've got to do this right, and I only get one chance to do it. Wait, and, did uh, you check your armpits? Were you sweating? Oh, Were they I drenched? was totally sweating. It was hot, too. <laughs> and I was sitting in the sun the whole time. Me and Ron Boone, 
sitting in the sun the whole time. He had glasses on. I didn't, of course, I didn't. I forgot sunglasses, and he's just standing there. And I mean, I'm sure I got way too much sun, <clears throat> but I just remember getting up there and letting it go. But it was kind of that fearless thing we talked about mm-hmm. growing up and stuff. It's like whatever you just do. At it. At this point, we're, so we're going to have an audience here. Some of them aren't going to know who Hot Rod Hunley is. I think it's only fair if you, uh, yeah, let them hear it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. All right. Let's think. Uh, let's and go 1988. Right let's go 19. 19- Magic with the ball right side. Yo-yo dribble. Drives. Hangs. Floats it up. No good. Rebound. Big mark. Outlet to Stock. Jazz on the run. Stock down the middle. Bounce pass to Carl. Hammer dunk. The mailman. Stock down to below. Carl with 28 points. Stock with 15 assists. Jazz lead 98-94. Timeout LA. And so, yeah. So that was the... So in those thousand games you did that with him, good. were you almost at laughter listening to this call? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, little you know? <laughs> a little bit, because he and I had some funny moments, man, when he was on the air. He wants, um, and, and, but, but a lot of people thought I got the impersonation being next to him. I actually had it when I was a kid. I was wow. really young when I got hot right. It was kind of when I first learned that I could impersonate people and not impersonate like little league coaches and i'm like spot on i would I'd call i call people little league on, coaches? yeah yeah like, like my coaches all right you guys let's button it up hey you dog it we'll do it again there's this guy named anthony valdez he was a football coach and of course one day i start going off and uh everybody was just lollygagging around sitting around and i randomly went all right guys button it up and they all just <laughs> up. they all straightened up and then they saw me and i was dying laughing oh yeah i've, I've gotten people with a few really good ones really really good ones before uh, good. my aunt once told a cop uh to go jump in a lake for uh, lack of <laughs> lack of better words um, because they were calling about something involving my cousin, and she thought it was me messing around, and she would not buy it. She hung up on him and everything. Oh, no. <laughs> they called back, and she was like, okay, sorry. All right. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They were like, uh, ma'am? <laughs> this is serious. <laughs> yeah, she was like, okay, sure. And, and you know, she's you know, telling him where to stick it. She's thinking it's me, so she's That's totally like, funniest you're thing. not funny, this isn't funny. Oh, because I've gotten people before on a lot of stuff. <laughs> I pulled some good April Fool's jokes, and yeah, it's always been a fun thing with it. So, okay, so I want to ask you a couple questions here, kind of put you in the yeah. hot seat a little I'll bit. See, bring it. All right, um, so, and you have, don't take all day to answer these. Okay. Just, <laughs> you know, quiet. I want to know the first thing that comes to your okay. head. Right. Uh, who's the biggest bust in sports history? Anthony Bennett. What? <laughs> that just happened. Hey. Like, <laughs> and he is number one. I don't care how recent it was. That is that, think, well, number one pick. That dude number one pick. drove the bus to bus land, dude. He couldn't even get, the, couldn't even get on the floor, man. He was shooting that's air balls for free throws. Oh, yeah, that's like, way too soon. soon. Why is that too soon? soon? Oh, oh, okay. So you think he's going to become a, what, a... Um, most improved someday? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. You never know what that could happen. Dude, the day they picked that, I was like, wow. And then halfway through that first year, I was like, this is the biggest bust. I never, <laughs> like, this guy can't hit a bull in the behind with understand. a handful of sand. I, I mean, this guy is awful. I do not understand so you how you take that Kwame Brown over him? Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> really? Like Kwame Brown, you know. I mean. Hey, where is he at nowadays? I don't even know. You got to trade. Kwame Brown. Uh, uh, Kwame Brown's overseas, I yeah, think. Yeah. I mean, Both that, of them overseas. And of course, I, I mean, these are busts. Uh, there's a ton of busts to get to, but I mean. I don't understand how okay. that happened, though. Let's, just, let's hear your top that. five. Oh, boy. I mean. Any sport. All right. Bennett uh, Brown. So you got to go Bennett Brown. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I would go Ryan Leaf. No okay. doubt about that. 
That was a big, big bust. Jamarcus Russell. Yep. Um, Johnny Manziel's got to be up there. Yeah, but he's like 27, you know. I mean, totally didn't pan out. (laughs) There's a a lot of buzz. Yeah. Um, Gosh, I've got I feel like you have like a top 50 because you just said he's 27. I I could just. No, he was like the 27th pick. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) No, I'm not. No, he's 27th on the list. I was like, wait, hold up. You just got like a top 50. Ready. Ready to go. I wonder why you answered that question so fast. That that was Um, the question? I've been thought about this. Man, there's so many busts out there. I got to think of another one that was just like, whoa. Maravich, is Maravich in there? Yeah, he's definitely in there. I mean, there's so many to go with. So, yeah, you go top five. I mean, you could pick a number of different guys. Who am I thinking of? Who am I forgetting? There's got to be somebody in there that I'm totally forgetting that was like, whoa. Uh, um, the Pistons draft pick in the Dwayne Wade year. Darko. Oh, Darko Milicic? Milicic? Yeah, no. He See, when you talk about bust, you got to remember, like, the guy was able to get on the floor. He right. played, right? right? Like, that doesn't mean he's a great player. Bennett didn't even get on the floor. Yeah. Bennett, and when he did. <laughs> oh, I mean, they couldn't even play. It's like you picked him with the number one pick. You can't even justify playing him. And you have a terrible team. I mean, this is really, really bad. Was, that Adler, was LeBron gone at that time? Yeah. yeah. Was he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. That's why they had the number one pick because yeah. they were oh, so yeah. bad. But I'm trying to think of um, – I mean, there, uh, there's so many. I'm trying to narrow it down to, like, this one – Just break out your list. <laughs> I mean, your top 50. All right. Let's – yeah, let's let's get him go. Derek Williams. Um, <laughs> you know uh, – He's a bust? What? Derek Williams? You didn't From think Arizona? He, yeah. You didn't think he was a bust? Number uh, two? He still gets on the floor. He did last year in the playoffs. I know right? it was still a bust. I mean, now we're just talking all. Well, he was number two. Yeah, I don't think he's top five in my list. I mean, trying to narrow it down to like that. I thought he one. was going to be good. No, I couldn't shoot. Uh, athletically, yeah. I mean, he yeah, was worth. He was a dunker. Everything. Yeah, but, but I was like, I don't know if this guy can really spread the floor. And and at six nine now, you have to be able to shoot. I mean, See, I thought Javale McGee was going to be a bust, but then he started being like an all star. What when he's he went to the Warriors? In Denver. Yeah, no. Oh, God. He was an all-star in Denver. He could have been an all-star. I mean, Dude, he had his Shaq in the full you, moments. but He had a lot of Shaq in the full moments. Hey, it happens. <laughs> it, <laughs> it happens. It happens. Dude threw the ball, like, into the stands as a shot. like. But he also dunked on a bunch of people, too. <laughs> yeah, and he also missed a lot of dunks. And he also, who was in the NBA and goes the wrong way? Sean like, Bradley. <laughs> you know what? I got to tell you. Yeah, that's a whole nother level. You know, is Sean Bradley really, a bust really being from Utah? Is Sean Bradley a bust? Um, yeah. Yeah, he's a bust. He was the number two pick. But he made tons of money. Yeah, I know. I didn't say he was a broke bust. I just <laughs> said you can, yeah. See, I would love to be a bust in the NBA. That yeah. would be amazing. Yes, that would be my dream. Like, yes, yeah, sit me on the bench over here. That's totally fine. I want good seats for this game. I think I'd rather Great. be an NFL be a bust with a guaranteed contract. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's like no. so many. I mean, you can go Michael Olacandy. You can go. He wasn't just, a bust. He went to the finals. <laughs> <laughs> He was not a he great was with, He was with hey, the alien Sam Cassell. <laughs> free well. His old team candy. did it, not him. I mean, Joey he Harrington. I'm, uh, I don't – I never think it's fair with the Greg Oden thing because he couldn't stay healthy. And right. I don't think he ever got the real chance. You mean so, LeBron's granddad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, Vince Young, Matt Leinart. I mean, there's a number of – but, like, when I think bust, I'm thinking, like, you drive the bus to bust. Like, you are – you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think like <laughs> highest, highest expectation, absolute lowest performance. Matt you know Leinert's a great yeah. broadcaster, though. Yeah, he no, I think he and, does a good job. You know, you talk about being a professional athlete in L.A. during the late 90s. He was that. 
in college. I guarantee. Oh, no, he wasn't in the late night. I guarantee I'm forgetting yeah. something. You're forgetting I Jimmer for that. Well, yeah, but like Ooh, that he's hurts. The, but he's like the tenth, right? <laughs> he's the tenth. No, well, <laughs> so he's a bust. I got from, it, but he's like the tenth. From Utah yeah. County standards, he should have been the first pick. Oh, trust me, we dealt with that for All-star. a long time. Man. Yeah. No, when when I heard the when the Jazz didn't get him, and I was like, well, the Jazz are twelve, and Detroit picked him tenth, and then traded him. And people were like, they should have picked him third. I'm like, okay. Okay, everybody. And we then when he was a free agent, oh, we, we're going to get Jimmer. He's oh, a free yeah. agent. We're yeah. Get him. I mean, he could be. I'm like, why would you want that? He can't play defense. I said he's Eddie House at best. And I had somebody tell me I was crazy. And I said. Eddie House from the Heat? Uh, yeah. yeah. And then he played yeah. with hey. uh, Boston for a minute, right? right. Now he's on Fox State, Sports Arizona 1. State kid, right? He's, he's, yeah. he's and nice. I totally was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's, uh, yeah, like this is, you know, uh, Eddie House. He At very best, he could be Eddie House. And somebody said, you've got to be absolutely crazy. And I thought, but here was what was hard. I couldn't tell what direction they were telling me I was crazy. Are you telling me he's better? Or are you telling me he'll <laughs> never reach that, right? Yeah. Because Eddie House, what, 11 years? He like, was, was good. Yeah. Ninth, 10th he guy. He was a role player. Yeah, totally. Like, corner three guy. Yeah. Better liability than on defense, right? Like, oh, I don't know. Uh, I think he was a little bit taller, but not a heck of a lot taller. But, right. like. Uh, he could play D. That was the thing, though. So, my thing was, yeah, at best, that's what he'll be. At best. And I had people tell me I was crazy. Well, they were right. Because he was never going to. Well, he's averaging 50 in China. Yeah. You know, and uh, good for him. I, I, by the way, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Like, good for him to be able to go do that. But right. what was sad was the fans' expectation right. for him to go out and do this. I still don't know how he got player of the year. Because he was the most, um, his performance all year long was better than anybody He else. was Steph Curry and before a, Steph Curry right, And it's a regular it. season award, so if you included the postseason, it's Kemba Walker. Right. But just regular season, they got it right. But there's no doubt that that style was never going to translate to the NBA right. unless you can do a lot of other things. Now, Steph is is uh, very similar in terms of the shooting, but, yeah, he can handle the ball, pass really well, get an offense going, and I think he's an even better defender. He's not an elite defender, but he's a good defender. I On mean, the right team, I think he could have been Steve Kerr at best. At best? Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah. On the right team, but he would have to learn. in the NBA. Yeah, He'd like a catch and shoot wait, guy. Who are you, t- Jimmy, for that? Yeah, like a catch and shoot. You know, I almost cursed you out. He couldn't uh, play in the Pac-12. <laughs> I'm telling you, who's Steve, no. uh, Steve Kerr played in the Pac-12. Well, no. <laughs> what I'm saying is, Steve Kerr was a oppor- opportunistic guy. He was a catch and shoot. They didn't ask. He didn't dribble much. He they had the slowest person. Don't on ever defense. compare Jimmy. No, to I'm just Kerr. I'm just saying. No, no, no. Jimmy for that could have been. Steve Kerr. That's what I'm saying, Jimmy. Yeah. I'm not even calling him Jimmy for that. <laughs> calling him Jimmy. Jimmy. James. Jim, James. 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 All right. James so, Taft for that. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. it Phil Jackson or was it the players? Was Phil Jackson a great coach because he's just the, the Zen master or was it the players who it, made him a great It's not player? an or, it's an and, and I'm not sitting on the fence with that. Those players are the reason why that team was great. Which Phil, team? Phil, uh, the Bulls or the Lakers yeah. for that matter. Phil Jackson's the reason why those teams dominate. Phil Jackson's what put him over the top. I mean, there's no doubt. And so this idea of, is he really a great coach? Yeah, he's a great coach. Um, and yes, if you gave him the Memphis Grizzlies, they probably wouldn't have won the title. But he had abilities to get the most out of what he had, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, he totally did. Lamar Odom, and I, I don't mean this as a criticism. This I'm just going to spit facts here. Lamar Odom, without Phil Jackson, was missing for three days and almost died from a situation where he was involved with crack at a, at a brothel. 
That, like I'm I mean, gonna blame that on the Kardashians. Okay, yeah, you know what? <laughs> the Kardashians were still a factor, I, I guess. Know, right? You know, right? But no, but like that's the situation with him. Look, yeah. look what happened with you know Judd Bushler, B.J. Armstrong, Devin George is a guy, Brian Shaw. You know, all Shannon these guys Brown. elevated Shannon mm-hmm. Brown. Um, like, and and I'm not saying he turned those guys into Hall of Famers, but like these are players that. He also got the most out of it. And people will be like, no, it was the leadership of Kobe and Michael and this and that. They aren't even in the of league. Of course it's mixed with that. Right. Of course mm-hmm. it's all mixed. It's all in, entangled together. But that guy, you know, Dennis Rodman, it was really tough to corral him and keep him uh, under wraps. He kept him there. He kept him in check. Now he got he kicked the cameraman and all that. But outside of that, <laughs> like, Phil really helped manage some personalities extremely well. Rick Carlisle is a great coach with Dallas. Rick could not get through to Lamar Odom. He couldn't. And I watched Rick put in unbelievable work out there on the court well before the game, running drills, talking with him. Uh, Personally? Rick, Rick Car- yes. I watched him do this. I watched Rick Carlisle do this up close. Not I, the trainers. No, not the trainers. He was out there, the head coach, at 4.10 p.m. out there. He's in sweats. You know, Rick Carlisle throwing bounce passes to him, going over stuff, trying because it was thought that, man, th- this might be a really nice fit with the way Odom can play in Dallas and Rick Carlisle, to me, is easily a top-five coach in the league, easily. And Carlisle could not get through to him the way that not only Phil did, but Phil helped him reach an elite level. So you don't think it was Kobe at all that helped with that? See, and that's where it's it's unfair. Of course Kobe had a huge impact on it. Of course Kobe had big influence on it. But I think the Kobe-Phil is what made that a championship team, no doubt. Michael-Phil... You know, Pippen, Horace, mm-hmm. and all of that. And, and we can go Pau Gasol and, um, you know, obviously uh, key players. You cannot underestimate Phil's impact on helping those teams win those championships. So what happened when you put, who do we have, Gary Payton? And by the way, Malone. I don't like Phil Jackson. I, I always rooted against him, right? Like, I don't, but I'll, I'll be honest. My mom's it. not going to like that. She thinks he's sexy. Oh, really? What? Yeah. Yeah, so he takes she his shirt like, off. Nah, she's like, she likes that. Uh, she likes his limp. Like, then you he know, he's got like, a hip problem. She's like, looks oh, like the old preacher. He look like the old preacher from Poltergeist too. Okay, wait a second. His limp, like, yeah, she's like his hip. The he way has a bad just, hip. Yeah, the way he just walks on that court with that limp, he oh, looks hey, sexy. His limp. <laughs> hey, so, that limp's great, and then he's got uh, boy, those guys from Montana. <laughs> so what? What happened with Phil? When he had all the Hall of Famers, he had Gary Payton, yeah, Carl Malone. They Kobe, were out of their prime, though. Shaq, still, they should have won it. Yeah, they, they should have easily won. No, that. they should have won that. And and nobody's for everybody, right? Kobe and Shaq. It's sad because it, I tell you what, if they keep it together, if they like really keep it together, they would won eight out of ten. I hate yeah. that because it should have been Shaq and Penny. But oh, oh, for that whole thing. But 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 no, if they keep it together, if they could. Say, I need you, you need me, we can do this, right? And if they both had the same definition of work ethic and competitive yeah. fight, I'm telling you, they, they would have won. That Tim Duncan team was solid, though. No, no, like, and that's why it would have been 8 out of 10. Because, yes, San Antonio was really good and would have won their share of that. But the Lakers at their best during that, they weren't going to be beat. When, when Kobe and Shaq really had it going on. And Ori. We've got Ori. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, like, you have key role players around right. there and all? No, they, they were... It was stupid. What were your thoughts on Eddie Jones? You think he got a punk deal from the Lakers? I mean, it's really tough, yes, but it's really tough in in competitive sports. It's really, really hard. No, this is what's sad about competitive sports. I felt he got railroaded. I did, because 
in competitive sports, you don't get replaced because you're not good. You get replaced because there's a perception somebody else is better than you. Rick Carlisle got fired by the um, the Pacers and the Pistons. And the Pistons situation, he had them Eastern Conference Finals, I think. And then eventually he was replaced for Larry Brown, Brown. and they won it all. And so it's like, well, can you really argue with that? But it's like, man, Rick Carlisle didn't get replaced because he wasn't good. He got replaced because it was perceived Brown was better. Mm -hmm. I thought that was sad. The crook, he got replaced by a crook. Oh, yeah, right? (laughs) And I'm praying that they don't bring him to the University of Memphis. (laughs) Oh, he's a Memphis guy. He's from Memphis. Tigers, man. So, who's the next iconic athlete? And by iconic, I mean somebody like a LeBron James. Somebody, oh, that guy yeah. to really kind of captivate the league. Yeah. And be the Any guy sport. that everybody wants to grow up and be. Mm-hmm. Man, that is a terrific question. Mine's there's Joe a, Ingles. There's a number of guys to choose from. <laughs> it's jingling, baby. You know, back in the day, I thought it was Katino Mobley, and I just missed on that one. No, I'm just kidding. missed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That is a terrific question. No, because I think um, there's a number of guys that you can really like. Antetokounmpo, there's so much to like about him, right? Like he's a guy that jumps out to mm-hmm. me. You think James Harden makes it to that level? Uh, you know what? I think he's going to play right in the teeth of the LeBron window for so long that it's that it's not going to happen. Gonna and the Steph yeah. and Durant and all that. He's going to be right in the thick of all that. Now, if he goes on and wins a couple titles, right, like something like that, mm-hmm. then it yes, then it flips. So he's um, the Andre Agassi of the NBA. Huh? A very great, very great comparison. Mm. No, no, he's more the, like the Michael Chang. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but not really. It's it's a, Harden. Harden could very well be that guy, but he's going right into the teeth. I mean, like Kevin Durant is as good a number two player this league has ever had, meaning the second best player in the league after who? LeBron. After last year, everyone said he's he's overpowered or overtaken oh, okay. LeBron. Yeah. Because I'm sure, okay. Even this, I mean, that's what some. I know. Some I know they're going to say. But that. okay, I think we'll oh, really get to gosh. see it this year because Golden State, you have Clay Thompson, you have Steph Curry. What if they're both out? They're injured. What Durant's if they're both injured out? too. Yeah, but what if they're both out? Can I mean, and Durant is back? Can Durant do it by himself, or will Nick Young have to step up and save the day, baby? Swaggy P's got Swaggy one, you know. P. You were yeah, asking nice me who's the next, the, who's that next athlete? It's <laughs> yeah. Swaggy it's P. Swaggy P. It's Jordan Bell. No doubt. Jordan Bell. <laughs> it's Ray the Buffet Felton. That's yeah. that's Jake. That's Jake Scott, my my co-host. That's his joke on that. He calls him Ray the Buffet. Uh, no, I I think um okay. So so this LeBron. Versus KD thing. Kevin Durant had Harden and Russell Westbrook in a finals. Young. And young. They fine. Young. And LeBron beat that team in five, bro. Very young. So? It's true. Now, this situation here, like, LeBron beat a 70. And, and look, I, I'm not the biggest LeBron fan. I just like to call it how it is. LeBron beat a 73-win team that lost once at home the whole year. Two out of three were on the road and beat them three times in a row to come back three games to one in the finals. And we make such a big deal out of the 42-15-7 by Magic in 1980, which we should, by the way. He essentially had to do that three times in a row, or two out of those three games. I mean, that's amazing, man. Like, this guy, now, LeBron is the best player in the NBA, and I think KD's number two, and I don't think that's a slight to KD. And, of course, KD has unbelievable abilities, and, and Golden State will beat them. The, the, the cool part about the game is that one player can impact the team and the game so much. Like, uh, the Cavs were a 19-win team without LeBron, 66-win team with him. Like, that's a gap, right? right? One guy can do that. But in the end, if the firepower is so heavy on an entire team, that one individual to overcome that, I mean, it, it's 
it's unreasonable to think that LeBron should have won that series last year well, or should have won it in 2015. Tell me, it is unreasonable. Tell me if this is far-fetched. I just read this the other day, that it's possible that LeBron Jr. will play in the league at the same time as LeBron Sr., number 23. Okay, but if LeBron, he just keeps getting better with age. So if he just keeps getting better, yeah, he's still going to be in the league when his son comes in. Actually, not even the league on the same team is what he said. Man. Well, hey, what, Ken, both Griffey, in LA? Ken Griffey Sr. and Jr. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Homer back-to-back, I think. Yeah. It was. yeah, yeah back so, I mean, I guess that's possible, but I'm I'm – I really wonder when do we start to see that decline in LeBron? Yeah, but the Griffies didn't play very hard uh, <laughs> defensively. Well, like LeBron James plays in the NBA. Junior did. Junior crashed into the for wall, a little broke bit, his arm for a little bit. Now Junior did uh, get caught taking a nap in the clubhouse <laughs> at the end of his career during the game. But that's a different story. But no, really, it's it's. I wonder when we're going to start to see. Uh oh, LeBron's starting to slip. He's starting to when he's back to twenty five and. Yeah, five. right. We're back to twenty-five, eight, and five, yeah, and everyone's yeah. like, "Oh my goodness!" Should he you know, retire? He's on the outside looking into the play of the MVP. Oh my goodness! No, he's the best player in the NBA. He's the second best player well, in the NBA. It depends on who it comes from because he's come, had when, fifty thousand minutes. When I came to Utah and Carlos Boozer was here, I thought Carlos Boozer was one of the best players ever, averaging twenty and ten, and no one here even respected that. No one here liked Carlos Boozer. No. Yeah. No, Carlos. How do you not like a 20 and 10 guy? Oh, well, so- you like a 20 and 10 guy, but everybody felt like that team had more to give. And they were right. He had that- a bad rep in town, too. Yeah, he like did. Like at clubs. And he was a womanizer. Like he. Oh, I know. For he, I'll, yeah. I could, I'll tell you a no, Carlos Boozer story later. Carlos was definitely different on the mic compared to off. I mean, you would see him in any other situation and be like, Carlos, I literally just talked to you 10 seconds. <laughs> what just happened here? Uh, but when the mics were on and everything and you do an interview, he's very cordial. He wasn't rude, by the way. He wasn't. He just was the sincerity meter. He didn't move it. It didn't feel like he was ever authentic. It always felt like he was trying to say the right things rather than just, you know, I always felt like he was never comfortable in his own skin. Mm-hmm. I always got that feeling. There's a number of different theories that I have for this. I mean, I don't know. I don't know him well enough to be like, this is what it was. But I think he really struggled with, like, when people started to realize he was kind of a phony. And he didn't know what to do about it because he didn't know how to go back to being him. And the thing with Carlos is those teams had more to give. They played down to the level of their opponent. They never turned it up defensively when they need to, only when they had to. And then when they were outmatched, they didn't know what to go back to to be a, a good defensive team anyway. They were always predictably going to lose to that Laker team. Um, they were they were really good, by the way. Those teams were really, really good. But there was a flaw. They were never going to be able to break through. Now, this Jazz team is really, really good, but they have something that's more sustainable, and that's a defense and a culture and an accountability that is never going to go away. And as an NBA as, superstar. Right, and you have now you have an athletic superstar that I, I think is more humble, hungry, and honest than Darren was, as much as I, I thought Darren was a great player. He was in better shape. Yeah, better leader, better everything. I'm not just saying that because he's the guy now. I'll, I'll be totally honest about it. Um, Donovan Mitchell is is as hungry, humble, and honest as any human being I've ever met. Comes from a pro sports background, right? Comes from a, a dad that's with the front office there with the Mets. I mean, you can see he is not your usual 21-year-old. And that's the token compliment people are supposed to give about the local athlete. But it's very real. Does he stick around? Uh, he's got six years he's going to be here. So for me to predict that six. now, I have no idea. Yeah, because they would have his rights as a restricted free agent uh, after that uh, rookie so they would deal have is to done. Match yeah, they'd have to match. Yeah. So yeah. they're going to keep him. Trust me, that's happening. Um, and then 
after those six years, I think it would be. We'll find out. I hope so. So I when know. it comes to Rudy Gobert, best defensive player. No doubt. Why is it that people can't or won't accept that? You have, like, a lot of our uh, Salt Lake journalists, sports journalists, tweeting, Rudy Gobert, solid defender, best defender in the mm-hmm. NBA. People, you're crazy. You're smoking. You're doing drugs. Why is it that people can't wrap their heads around that? They don't understand all the ways that he affects a game. You know, It's not because he's French? Uh, no. Because no. Americans hate French people. I know. Because he does more and than I, rebound and block shots. Yeah. He affects shots. Well, he, it's not just the altering shots. It's the discouraging shots. Teams don't even go into his area. It's kind of like uh, the cornerback. Um, uh, there's a kid, Webster, from Ole Miss that I voted as an AP All-American this year. And his stats were not great. But if you look at uh, how few times teams tried to attack him, that has value. Like, that has value. Teams stayed away from him. And uh, I remember thinking, yeah, there's value there. That's what happens with Rudy. And by the way, all the advanced numbers, all Rudy Gobert. I mean, all Rudy Gobert. Every advanced number in terms of what he's like defensively. It's incredible. Are you for analytics? Oh, yes. But I think there needs to be a perfect marriage between analytics and you know, what we're seeing on the floor. You, you've got to be able to say, what are these analytics? What do they mean? And how do they legitimately apply? Don't just throw them out there because they're eye-opening. Throw them out there because they actually matter and affect the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're going to talk about, well, Rudy is uh, uh, the best player in the NBA on Wednesday. Well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> that, those kind of stats right. drive that me drives nuts. Me crazy. Oh, I don't my God. Oh, LeBron stats and, oh, and playing in front of certain people. That. Don't get me started on LeBron stats. Yeah, oh, my God. If you want to say it first, well, this actually has no bearing on anything, but just food for thought, everybody. Hey. Yeah. Then it's funny. Then yeah. it's good. But if you're like, well, look at his numbers on Wednesday. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody and cares. I can hear in the Bob Euchre voice. Dude, because there for a while with the stats, it would be like, all right, everybody, do you know who has the most points or the best plus minus in the second quarters when his team trails by six or more Those are a- in the last stats. six minutes? And everyone's like, what? And it's like, it's Luis Scola. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is he in the league still, Scola? <laughs> well, it's like, well, what does that mean? Like, okay, but, but why does that matter? Right. So that's the number one thing. And I, I think the more and more, this is starting to happen, more and more coaches, broadcasters, people are starting to uh, create a better marriage between the two. They really, really are. Like De'Aaron Fox, right, yesterday? I'm watching him. I like him. I really like him. Speed, athleticism. He's a point guard in the NBA. He's a rookie point guard in the NBA. But there's a lot I like about him. Every number about him says that they're much better when he's off the floor, right? So I look at that and go, okay, but I still think he has talent, skill, and ability. He's got to develop a lot more. And being a rookie point guard in the NBA also. for a team that's not very good, right. some of that, like you've got to take some right. of that for what it's worth. And so anyway, it's it's numbers don't always tell the truth, but they say something. And so I am definitely about analytics. So any coach who says, oh, screw all that, we don't need to look at that, you're blind. And any coach who goes, well, we need to just bury ourselves in this, I think you're equally as naive. So you've got to know where they matter, why they matter, and how they matter. And Rudy does so many things that I don't think ever show up on any box score or even advanced stats. I mean, he just, the way he affects the game, the way he'll change the path of a cutter, change the path of a driver, right. um, all of those things, it's, it's enormous. I know we got to start wrapping up here, but right. there's one more thing that I do want to get your thought on. We talked about it a lot. Oh, no, not this time. I'm not going to go one, <laughs> two, three. Like, are you talking about last time I was like, Oh, last no, I need, I need one more. Oh, okay. no, yeah, I, need I one know more. we want to start, but there's I a lot I want to get yours. to with you. Uh, 
FBI investigation. We've been talking about it mm-hmm. a lot. FBI, NCAA. What are your thoughts on the entire thing? Why now from the FBI? They said they've been doing this for years. They've had this information. So why come out now? What will come of this? Well, what's going to come of it is the number of people are going to jail. Like You think they're actually yes, going to jail? Yes, because people forget that, that what was happening was not just against NCAA rules. No, this was like against the law. Like you can't actually do that stuff and not like um, uh, write it down, note it. What am I thinking of? Uh, claim it. Right. right. You can't actually do that. That's against the law. So people are in actual legal trouble. And I think that shocks some people when that happened, when the FBI is involved and people are like, oh, who cares? Why are they involved? It's like, well, no, that this is actually against the law. Now, two, why now? It's got to have something to do with the money becoming so good that now they wanted to step in. Because the FBI could have jumped in at any time they wanted and did something about this. And then what's going to come of it? Yeah, you're, you're going to have a number of, of changes to what happens in college basketball. A number of changes. A number of coaches that are, are obviously going to have their careers destroyed. What about Coach um, K? Could something actually happen to him? You think? To Krzyzewski? Yeah. If, he, if he did it, yes. If he, if he, you know, let's say for years he had envelopes or briefcases full of cash, then yeah. Yeah, then... then He's in legal trouble. He shouldn't be looked at any differently than Sean Miller or any other coach that say if they did it. Now, this is all allegations, so if they did it and it's proven they did it and you have concrete evidence, then yes, let the legal system take place. You think there will be death penalties involved with programs? Oh, at first I was like, no, they're not going to kill a coach. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, who's going to wow. die? Uh, SMU, no, like SMU yeah. 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 I was like, all right, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> kill them all. You know, uh, boy, uh, you know, might be for a new episode of Law and Order. Yeah, yeah. Doom, doom. I was like, all right. Gumshoe bloom. <laughs> Taking this to a whole, and then I caught on immediately what you meant. Um, there could be, depending on how egregious. Um, I think it's sad. I think uh, Baylor. Uh, should have been given the death penalty. I think Penn State should have been given the death penalty for their uh, horrendously yep. uh, moral uh, neglect, you know, yeah, all together. Yeah, that was egregious. And I think uh, with this, yeah, if it's egregious Arizona enough. Arizona has all the symptoms with the football program. Right. Um, I mean, it's, it's a mess down there. Right. And the, the sad part is they've become way too hesitant to not give a team the death penalty because of the let's not overreact. It's too much money. Dude, if, if what happened at Penn State is not enough to react for that, I don't know yeah. what it is. Like, that should have been the most easy, obvious answer ever. Like, ever. Death penalty, any player transfer, no penalty at all, don't have to sit out. But because it That's was it. Paterno, I think. You think it was because of Paterno? I think. Because he was such an icon or such a... Or because Penn State still has such a great following. And right. they would start right. all big TV dollars. All of that. All that. Yeah, they yeah. didn't want to destroy. Because SMU is one thing, but to destroy, like, a program that... Still is at a high yeah, level. Yeah, right. and for me, I'm like, I don't care. Right. But there's no doubt. It's sad because we learn this it's, in the world of moral and practical, especially in sports, especially in sports. Um, people may bang on the moral drum all day long. The practical is usually what outweighs and wins. And I think it's really sad that that happens. And I, I think, you know, the other thing that people do, I think it's a misconception, is the idea that sports brings people together. No, sports brings people into proximity. People, <laughs> people are what ultimately bond and join other people right. the right way. That's so. Before you get out of here, I have to ask. Yeah. So I'm always intrigued about the AP voting. Yeah. And how it goes down. What I got to do to get Memphis football? <laughs> hey, I had in you the in the top, top twenty-five. No, I'm top the, five. we're always the past five years we've been in the top twenty-five. 
we had the greatest the greatest quarterback wide receiver combo this Anthony year. Was good. Anthony Miller Anthony and was really good. Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And we, no love. Not even at Pro Day or the Combine, we didn't get any love. So it's Tony's fault? It's my fault. I want to know what, what the what the conspiracy is w- between all the voters. So we're talking conspiracy. Yeah. Like, are y'all calling each other? Like, uh, no. Hey, you're not voting Memphis right yeah. now. No way, man. I mean, between that and we can't get in the SEC, like, something's going on. I want to know who's behind it. No, so with, with, <laughs> Tony's behind it. <laughs> By the way, I deal with this all the time. Do people, get, like, see you on the street I and they're get, like, bro. Can oh, we get yeah. a vote? Like, can we get a vote, man? They get pissed. I, I had an A&M fan just beside himself once. Like, you were the absolute worst. You know that? And what's funny is they sometimes they don't see my ballot. They just see the overall right. uh, AP. And I'm like, and sometimes I have to tell them, well, this isn't appropriate. But even if it was, like, I actually voted them fifth. And they're like, oh, oh. Oh, <laughs> are those like, public? Those are made yeah, public. Yeah, those are made public. You can look them up anytime. Yeah, collegepolltracker.com. You can look up oh, yeah, the whole ballot. Yeah, yeah, right he's like, before he curses he's like, you out any further, out. he's about to look <laughs> it up and see what you voted. Have you back on again? He's going to be like in nineteen ninety two. How long have you been voting? See, I, now, now the last the last ballot I had Memphis twentieth, twentieth, and they were actually twenty fifth in the still overall. High. I had them high. No, no, no. They uh, Memphis was really good. Not to make this the Memphis Tigers podcast, <laughs> but the uh, um, Memphis was really, really good. Really, really good. And you know what's sad? They had another team. They're in a the, they're in a, a group of five conference. You see, and they had another team that was for, just yeah. that much better. In any other year, if they don't run into that. They are easily the team. Well, UCF and USF. Yeah. Oh, yeah. USF yeah. was really good too. Yeah. Uh, that National conference was champion. That yeah. conference was great, and that tandem was great. I had them all American. I had uh, Anthony Miller. What about Ferguson? Not Riley Ferguson. Uh, no, no, I didn't. You can't get everybody, dude. Yeah, look, dude, like, he's one of the most guy. dynamic quarterbacks. Okay, in the, but you got to pick one. You can't just have all Memphis in all right, this. I'll like, take Anthony Miller. <laughs> See, he is actually from Memphis. He's a stud, man. Yeah. No, and you know what's really sad is when they barely lost to UCF, people counted that against UCF, and I was like, oh, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I was like, no, UCF just beat a really good team, but they they actually used that against yeah. UCF in the uh, voting. Anthony know. Miller's like Steve Smith. I think he'll be like Steve Smith. Could very well be. Could very well be. My name is Mike Tyson. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I'm representing Brownsville. Hi, I'm Michael Jordan. I was born in Brooklyn. Here comes the pitch, and it comes in wide. And the count now is one and one to Jackie Robinson. Billy